Welcome, welcome, welcome to a wonderful episode of The Gospel According to Stupid. I'm Johnny Waters, and this is uh, The Gospel According to Stupid, uh, the only podcast that's reading the Bible from cover to cover and hopefully entertaining you people. What do you mean, you people? Um, if you want to send off an email, uh, please do it according to stupid at gmail.com, and you can find us on the Twitter sphere at uh, Accord to Stupid. And of course, leave reviews if you happen to like it or hate it, whichever. Um, today is a second part of this, making up for my two-week uh, not being around sort of thing. Uh, I decided uh, to do two this today. Um, one is review of Samuel one and uh, or First Samuel, I guess, is what it's actually called. Um, and we'll see how it goes. So I do have I did pull up a Spark Notes. Uh, summary, which will probably be a much better, but we'll see how well I retain this information over the past, oh my god, three months. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, um, hopefully you all follow it along, I really hope you do, uh, and retreat it to friends and share and like and love and all that fun stuff. Um, but let's see, Samuel, uh, in the beginning, all right, Samuel chapters one and two, we got kind of a corruption happening, uh... We have, okay, we, I mean, we start off with, like, Samuel, right? Who's this, like, prophet who just is trying to figure things out and t- is talking to God about, like, I gotta find, like, <laughs> a way to, way to make all this sort of, sort of work, right? And God isn't really giving a whole lot of great answers, but it's kind of one of, it eventually becomes this thing of, like, should we find a king? Yeah, you shouldn't find a king. All right, well, maybe we won't find a king, but you should find a king. Should we? Yes. No. What? Yes. Yeah. Now, go find one. When? This one. This guy? Really? Okay. We'll go find him. All right. You found a king? Yeah. Well, don't do that. Okay. Um, Samuel's three and four, we have the ark is taken. Uh, the Israelites lose against the Philistines, I think, and the ark gets motherfucking taken. Uh, but a bunch of those Philistines start touching the box and things don't really work out well for them because no one told them on the instructions or the instructions were lost that if you touch the Ark of the Covenant, you get super deadified. So they recovered it pretty easily from a bunch of dead bodies that were lying around. It was like 600 people and like 50,000 like peasants just in the area or something. Um, then we have the whole thing about we have to find a king, do we or don't we for the next Two chap, uh, two episodes of like finding Saul and trying to figure that sort of thing out, because you know uh, the Philistines come back and start just wreaking havoc for funsies, you know, um, malicious compliance, uh, which is fourteen and fifteen. I don't exactly remember that one. So let's see. In this episode, it seems once again very easy just to give God the bird and be sent to hell. But as long as you follow some of the rules, you should be good to go. Uh, oh, right, we have uh, the introduction to this Jonathan guy, who is pretty cool, and he just murder rages through a bunch of dudes, um, but it's also, like, again, one of those chapters of, like, once again, the Israelites go, fuck God, and it doesn't work out too well. Um, episode 123, we have Davy and Goliath, which is, we have David going, like, oh, by the way, and hiding all this stuff of, like, I killed lions and tigers and bears back when I was this person, this big motherfucker is no problem. Throws a rock with a sling, you know, just uh, dazes the guy or kills him there. And then cuts off his head, takes his sword and spear and armor and stuff like that. Um, 124, they kill a bunch of Philistines again and take 400, 200 foreskins as like, this is what we're going to use. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, 125, we have David and Jonathan going like, we're best buddies until the fucking end of this thing. Spoilers. Um... 
and Jonathan is the son of Saul, who's helping David out and going because Saul is like fuck David because there's a prophecy of like David's going to be king, um, and Saul does not exactly want that to happen. Uh, so he's like just about to kill him, but doesn't kill him. Doesn't about to kill him, doesn't kill him. Um, and Jonathan's like this seems weird, so I'm going to help you out. You know, uh, and we have God's anointed, which is we're still questioning whether or not. Uh, who's actually running around being God's chosen person, because we're really not sure. Uh, in episode 127, what the fuck, David? Um, and David runs around and murders a bunch of people, basically. But he does find a new wife, and his old wife is still basically at home. Uh, and it's just a repeat of the previous chapter of, like, let's kill a bunch of people. Uh, in 128, we bring Samuel back. Uh, from the dead for a hot second, just to tell Saul that be like you're doing the right thing, um, and then let's see, fuck, um, and then we have spoils and death where where uh, David goes and murders a bunch of I guess Egyptians, but uh, for stealing their uh, women and and so on, uh, and then uh, Saul is fighting the Philistines and he dies. He gets, he falls on his own sword as well as his armor bearer falls on his own sword. And apparently, uh, David and uh, not David, uh, Jonathan and his sons are all get murderfied. Um, which fucking kind of blows. Cause I kind of like that John guy. Um, let's see how well I remember that. Right. That sounded about right for anybody who has actually read the Bible before and things. Uh, let's see how well this goes. All right. Let's see. Uh, so this is from Spark Notes, so hopefully it will be pretty okay, right? Um, do, 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 do. Summary. Israel's next judge, Samuel, is born to Hannah, a previously barren woman. Oh, fun. Kind of remember that. Hannah gives Samuel to Israel's chief priest, uh, Eli, to be raised as a Nazarite. Cool. The priesthood is Israel, and Israel is in a general state of decline, and Eli's sons are disobeying God's laws. Oh, I vaguely remember that. God declares that he will choose a new priest for Israel from outside Eli's family and begins delivering messages uh, to Samuel as a young man. Samuel becomes a recognized prophet throughout Israel, delivering God's messages to the people. Yes, I do remember that he was really highly revered. Uh, during the battle, the Philistines kill Eli's sons, which, yeah, fuck, and capture the Ark of the Covenant, Israel's religious altar and symbol of God. Upon learning of the attack of the robbery, Eli falls over and dies. The Ark is returned to Israel after it causes its Philistine captors to become terribly diseased, or super dead. By their nation, as the nation rejoices, Samuel persuades Israel to set aside its worship of local pagan deities, and God helps Israel thwart Philistine oppression for many years. Because, you know, follow the guy who's actually talking to you. Uh, the Israelites demand that Samuel appoint a king for them so that Israel will be like other nations. Okay. Samuel is displeased. Okay. But God grants him permission to elect a king. Got it. Okay, that, is that where I was, like, getting all confused? Because Samuel was like, fuck that, and God was like, yeah, do it. God notes that by asking for a king, the people have not rejected Samuel. They have, ah, that's where it is. So then why say yes to when you're rejecting the big hierarchy? Cool guy. Stupid. <coughs> uh, they reject God. So, of course, Samuel's like, okay, yeah, that's where we're at. Samuel warns the people that a monarchy brings certain drawbacks, such as taxation and the con uh, conscription of armed forces and the potential for tyranny, but the people are resolute. Not to stand that God kind of feels that it's all a rejection. Because that seems to be like the leading point, but you know what, let's not tell the people that. 
God tells Samuel who should be king, and the following day a man named Saul appears before Samuel, inquiring about some lost donkeys. All right, I remember that. Uh, Samuel pours oil over Saul's head to anoint him as a king, and God provides a series of mystical signs to assure Saul that he should be king, despite the fact that God seems kind of biased. And God provides a series of mystical... Okay. Uh, Saul, who is a head taller than the average man, pleases the Israelites as king and leads him them in rescuing an Israelite outpost from invasion. Stepping down as Israel's leader, Samuel encourages the people that so long as they are obedient to God's laws, God will not punish them for requesting a king. Yeah, seems fair. Despite many military victories, Saul soon disobeys God, of course. He tries to rush into battle by performing a ritual war sacrifice without the help of a priest. Oh, that's right. He's like, I can fucking do this. I'm the king. Later, Samuel sends Saul to fight the Amalekites, instructing Saul to destroy them completely and leave nothing alive. Saul, however, spares the Amalekite ruler and the best portion of their flocks, hoping to present them as sacrifices to God. Seems fun. <clears throat> but when you're, I guess, warned by a prophet, you should probably do what they say. Samuel rebukes Saul, claiming that obedience to God's instructions is more important than religious sacrifice, which doesn't quite make sense to me. He informs Saul that God will choose another man to be king of Israel. Saul pleads with Samuel, begging for forgiveness. Saul grabs for Samuel's cloak, but the cloth tears as a symbol, as Samuel says, of Saul's broken kingdom, which also doesn't quite make sense to me, but fuck it. Um... God leads Samuel into the town of Bethlehem to choose a new king for Jesse's, from Jesse's family. Each of Jesse's older sons are impressive, but God instructs Samuel to judge people not by their external appearance, but rather by their hearts. And probably apparently by their deeds of murdering a bunch of lions out in the field, you know, whatever. Samuel anoints Jesse's youngest son, David, as shepherd, a king, and David gives divine power to David. God withdraws his power from Saul, cursing Saul with uh, psychological distress in the form of an evil spirit from God. Uh, God's evil spirit, as I recall. Uh, David begins to rise into courtly status as a harp player for Saul during the king's emotional unrest. I remember some of this. It does make some sense. Um, all right, the Philistines again threaten to attack Israel, this time taunting Israel with their new hero, Goliath, a giant more than nine feet tall. Saul and the Israelites tremble in fear, but David, arriving to deliver food to his brothers, offers to fight the giant. Refusing the king's armor, David publicly invokes God's help and kills Goliath with a single stone shot from his sling. The Israelites attack the retreating Philistines, and Israel returns home to the sound of women singing praises of David's victory. Yeah, that was a fun chapter. Uh, Saul is insanely jealous of David, who wouldn't be, who becomes an intimate friend of Saul's son, Jonathan, and leads the Israelite troops to many more victories. After attempting to kill David with a spear, Saul sends David on a suicide mission to kill a hundred Philistine men and bring back their circumcised foreskins. David succeeds, and Saul grudgingly rewards David with his daughter, uh, Michal's hand in marriage. Saul orders his household to kill David, but with the help of Michal and Jonathan, David flees from Saul. David builds the ar an army of unhappy and impoverished Israelites, and he is joined by a priest who is also fleeing from Saul's destructive path. All of this is vaguely familiar. Uh, Saul pursues David in the desert, where David spares the king's life twice, while Saul is urinating in a cave. Oh, is that what he was doing? David sneaks up behind him and cuts off a corner of Saul's robe, scorning the opportunity to kill God's anointed ruler. Aha. At night, David and his men sneak into the king's tent and steal Saul's spear while he is sleeping. On both occasions, David announces his deed to Saul, and Saul expresses remorse both times, begging for David's mercy. Great king. Still, Saul continues his pursuit, and David's take, David takes refuge uh, with the Philistines to show mercy to the great warrior and adversary of uh, Israel's king. Preparing to fight the Philistines, 
Saul is racked with fear and consults a witch, bidding the spirit medium to conjure up the dead spirit of Samuel. Samuel's ghost angrily warns Saul that he and his sons will die fighting the Philistines, ensuring the demise of Saul's kingdom. David and his men head out to fight the Amalekites, and David succeeds in destroying the warring nation. In the meantime, Saul leads Israel into a losing battle with the Philistines, and Saul's sons, including Jonathan, are killed. Saul commands his armor-bearer to kill him, but the boy refuses, and Saul falls on his own sword and dies. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Um, while we're here, why not? Let's read the analysis. That sounds fun. The first book of Samuel tells the story of Israel's transition from a theocracy, or state, ruled by a religious leader, to a monarchy, or state ruled by a political leader. Israel starts out as a nation of loosely affiliated tribes led by priests and religious heroes, but it becomes a nation-state led by a centralized king. Each stage of this transition is depicted through a narrative of three main figures. Saul represents the old rule of the judges. Uh, er, uh, Samuel represents the old rule of the judges, Saul represents Israel's failed attempt at a monarchy, and David represents God's ideal king. Although it seems logical that the rule of a single king would bring a sense of unity and cohesion to Israel, the opposite is the case. The move away from religious leaders divides religious and political life in Israel. Confusion about how religion and politics ought to relate to one another is the chief source of conflict in Samuel. Indeed, Saul's gravest mistake as king in his attempt to carry out the sacrificial duties of the priesthood, a role that Samuel explicitly denies the political ruler. God's ambivalence regarding the monarchy escalates this conflict. On one hand, God and Samuel are displeased at Israel's demand for a king because, as God claims, this demands, rep, demand represents Israel's refusal to believe that God and his religious laws are adequate to rule the people, despite the fact that he put a prophet in place just to tell people what they're doing, and isn't that kind of just being a king? On the other hand, God willingly chooses Saul to be king, identifying Saul as the deliverer of the people. God reconciles his contradiction by disguise, distinguishing Israel's status as a human institution from its status as a divine one. As Samuel's warnings to Israel about the dangers of having a king suggest, God may bless the king, but he will not keep the king from committing the sorts of human errors and injustices that human rulers are prone to commit, which also kind of sounds like a nice big bit of lawyer speak. That sounds like, hey, if I appoint him, I'm also not like responsible for what he does after the fact, right? Stupid, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the, that was Samuel 1, man. Um, Samuel 2 is coming up next, and, uh, I think it's just about as long as this other one, so it might take, oh, it's a little bit shorter. Uh, so it might take a couple of months to get through that, but it'll be fun, I'm sure. We'll see what happens, uh, with David, I'm assuming, rising to the occasion of being king. Uh, I think that's what's about to happen. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what the fuck happens. Um, hope you all enjoyed. You guys rock. Thank you so much for listening. And you've been gospel to by the stupid and apparently spark notes this time around. <laughs>